Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we're reviewing the 1993 comedy, Mrs. Doubtfire. It's directed by Chris Columbus, stars Robin Williams, Sally Field, and Pierce Brosnan. After a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. All right, let's get it. So, what what do you think of this movie? I liked it a lot. I think it's one of those movies that I liked watching growing up too. Uh, I would see it around the house every now and then, and well, not not this house, but another house, uh, step grandma's, and I'd watch it over there. So it's always um, fun to see. So it was always kind of on TV every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is one that um, is you know in constant rotation on TV. Uh, I know there was a time it was on Netflix, and for this viewing, it wasn't. So we actually had to go find a site that was still streaming it. Um, but yeah, this came out when I was about, uh, probably about 9 or 10 years old. Um, yeah, I, I definitely remember this movie as a kid. We didn't watch the trailer prior to this or anything like that, but I just remember one part that stuck out the most is when he's crossing the street and he's getting his bag snatched from a from a person and i think in the trailer even aerosmith's um uh dude walks like the lady was uh playing uh, along that trailer too so it's definitely one that i grew up and obviously um that's why we uh this is one that we chose to review and also one of our uh, favorite robin williams movie um but yeah directed by chris columbus um do you recognize that name i know i want to say he's been brought up before on this show I, f- I feel like he is too, maybe. Uh, actually, I, I know he was brought up on this show, but I, I can't remember where. He did. Well, this movie came out uh, a year after um, Home Alone 2. And I, I think I mentioned on the show before that he's directed the first Harry Potter movies. And then uh, more recent for you was the the first Percy Jackson movie. Um, so, uh, he, yeah, he's done a lot of movies that I uh, I like. Um Hopefully that we can do some of his uh, uh, more of his movies that I grew up watching, uh, but this is the return of Robin Williams. Obviously, we just uh, did Jumanji the last time, and also the return of Sally Fields. So you didn't rec- did you recognize her at first? Yes, uh, Aunt May. Yeah, because you asked me during the movie, so I wasn't sure if you know you were kind of wondering for a while, or, or did you get it right away? No, or? I was wondering for a while. Okay. Um, I just didn't really know until she started talking a lot. Yeah, uh, and now and then the kids. Uh, Chris is played by Matthew Lawrence. Um, Natalie, the younger one, is played by Mara Wilson. You know her from a couple of kid movies, and the older girl uh, Lydia was played by Lisa Jacob. Now I kind of looked in their filmography, but Lydia, the characters of Lydia and Natalie, neither of them have really done anything since like uh, early two thousand. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And Matthew Lawrence, he's like the middle child of the Lawrence brothers, and I think he's still kind of doing stuff. But the last thing I really saw him in was like Hot Chicks. Did you see that one with Rob Schneider? No, I'm thinking of White Chicks. Yeah, no, completely different movie. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not sure how many of our listeners uh, are familiar familiar with the 88 Miles Per Hour podcast on their show. Uh, they they referenced us and they were uh, basically giving us a, a shout out and saying if uh, you know anybody wants to listen to 
like full review of movies, which is something they don't do to to check us out. And I think you were kind of brought up, and uh, Renata, one of the hosts, she I think she asked Sanch uh, how old you were, and he didn't remember, or he probably doesn't even know, and he tried to uh, impersonate you, and did I don't know, I I tried to impersonate it, and it came out sounding like Mickey Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I guess he said that you haven't even hit puberty yet. So I, I mean, um, I don't know. I guess he he thinks that you're a lot younger than you really are. Uh, okay, fifty um, percent of that is true, but I'm probably a lot older than you think I am. I'm actually fourteen, and I don't go ho ho when I talk. Yeah, and you know he he's pretty uh, eccentric, eccentric kind of guy. Um, so I thought his impersonation was just funny, but it, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and insert a clip right here of that. Hydrate level four. They, they do a whole podcast just, and it's cool. Cause it's a cool concept. It's him and his son that just talk about movies, you know? So, and it's, how, whole, how old is the son? The son's pretty young, right? Well, I mean, I doubt he's hit puberty yet. Cause he his voice is very like, Hey everybody, you know, it's like, hi. <laughs> Um, like, but, and it's really awesome that like you get to see a father and son, you know, collaborate on something so, I guess, even difficult for adults to do. And you see like a little kid just full on board and just get all into it. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And that, that's, that's cool because it's like, I, I, that's why I like that concept because it's just like, I mean, one, uh, aside from that is like, you got a, you got a dad who, who's obviously a nerd. Like he's a geek. Like you could just tell by every, you know. <laughs> And he's bringing his son along for the ride, like teaching his son the, the, the awesome ways. So hopefully everyone got a good chuckle. Um, I wanted to give another shout out. Uh, I've kind of uh, been in contact with uh, uh, Albie of the Quantum Leap podcast. So him and I kind of, um, you know, been liking each other's pictures on Instagram and, um, you know, uh, talking Quantum Leap and back to the feature on Twitter. So that's been a good, uh, uh, some good times and, um, they uh, were kind enough t- to provide us a promo, which I'll play at the end of this show. Um, so maybe that's something that uh, we'll con- uh, c- kind of continue doing. And he uh, asked that we send one, so we'll you know get one out and send it over to them, and hopefully they can uh, help get our show out there too. So that's that's going to be a pretty exciting thing. Okay, so the movie starts out with uh, Robin Williams, who plays Daniel. He is a voice actor. He's uh, voicing a parrot and a cat, um, which kind of reminded me of like Tom Sylvester. Tom and Jerry. Well, not quite Tom and Jerry, but uh, Sylvester and Tweety. Uh. And it kind of reminded me like uh, we were looking at behind the scenes of a, an Aladdin movie. You know, him playing Genie. Uh, but there's a scene with the parrot smoking, and he kind of changes the wording because he doesn't agree with the message that it's uh, sending to the kids. This guy who I, I think is, I don't know if he's the director or just the voice, the, the like the ADR director, um, but he even comments, here we go again, but then he acts surprised that it's even happening again. Uh, so him and Daniel have an exchange. Um, and Daniel even tries to get like a second opinion from these other guys who are, uh, what do you think they're even doing? Are they just kind of like, um, going along with the script, you know, to make sure that, uh, everything's being said or cause they have no words, right? They, They don't have any dialogue, but Daniel's asking for a second opinion and there's these three guys behind the window and they're all smoking too. Then he kind of like retracts that and is like, well, they might be a little biased. I think they're all there. To make sure he sounds good and everything, you know, the quality of his voice when he's acting. Yeah, it could very well be. be because of uh, 
the disagreement here, Daniel kind of walks out. You know, he kind of quits, um, but the guy was basically going to fire him anyway. Um, so he goes to the school to go pick up his kids, and the three of them, they're about to get on the bus, but they see him. And then they're like, Dad? Dad? You know, and so I don't know. that It was kind of weird because it made me think that they hadn't seen him in a, in a really long time to even question if that was... Well, I, I guess they were just very surprised that he was there. So maybe that's, you know, why they acted the way they acted. But just the line delivery, it just made me think more so that they hadn't seen him in a long time. What, what, what do you think about that? Uh, it's just the way these kids' expressions, like you said, it made them... It made me think that they hadn't seen him in a long time, like uh, in a month or something, or a few weeks. But like, what do you think it is? Do you, do you think that they're surprised that he's there at the school, or just that they hadn't seen him in a long time? Well, they they dropped the line that said, uh, "I." They thought that he wasn't going to pick them up after school, so they were probably just surprised that he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Lydia, the older one, she thinks that he had been fired, but, you know, he, he, uh, he admits that he quit, uh, quit. Um, and then Chris, uh, he's turning 12, so Daniel wants to do it big. Uh, and then we cut to the house, and there's animals and all these things going on outside. And I, I think the neighbor, this old, old lady, she, was she frightened by a goat or something? She was f- was she like doing yard work and then? I think got... she was doing yard work and then a goat came over and started eating her gardens and then you know she was cleaning up. She was she she had a broom so she okay. was gardening. Okay, yeah, and so she goes inside to her house and then she makes a phone call. So we don't know to who uh, at this point. It could be animal control or it could be, you know, it could be Miranda at work. Actually, that's exactly what it is because it it goes to Miranda. Now, what is she? Is she like an interior decorator? Is is that what you got Some, out of that? Something like that, or an architecture. Okay. Um, architect. I, I think she's an interior decorator just because of the scene later on when um, uh, Mrs. Delphire is actually like um, making comments about, oh, did you organize this all yourself, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't think there's any hints of her like actual uh, being an ar- architect as far as like you know drawing up blueprints and things like that, but um, could have been just something that I missed. But she goes home, and then there's music blaring. Did you know this song, House of Pains, uh, Jump Around? Nope. Okay. It's a pretty popular song. You could probably hear it uh, every every now and then. But it, it, it's a big one that people play um, during during parties, like the 90s and stuff. My 30th birthday, we went to this club that had a 90s theme night. And that was probably, uh, that was one of the songs they played. And it's uh, I think it still holds up. Um, but, yeah, it's a, there's a big party inside, and it's really out of control, right? There's there's a pony uh inside eating a birthday cake. Uh Daniel well, That that doesn't happen until Miranda puts her cake down because she brought that cake. Oh, which she okay, okay, I missed that. Uh so okay, so Miranda brought the cake herself. That's right because she does mention that later, so that was uh confusing for me. But yeah, Daniel and Chris they're up on the table dancing or something was it a table yeah they were up on a table with some other kids yeah so they had some synchronized dance moves um what are your thoughts on this party robin williams really went on all out just to make this party memorable but you know it was just his 12th birthday not like 13 or 16 or 21 yeah you you gotta think that he's uh definitely put a lot of money into this too in a very short notice i mean this, this is just a matter of uh a couple of hours um, so I, I wonder if he just kind of like, uh, 
just blew a lot of money on on this and i, I think this is going to be um one of the big factors that kind of leads into the fight he is a voice actor you know they they must be paid uh, a good amount of money yeah i have and no idea she miranda isn't she in whatever she is it looks like she pays well yeah um, because to Daniel and Miranda uh, cleaning up and they're fighting and basically she's had enough and she says it's over and at this point Daniel kind of you know he, he he knows it's serious so he tries to you know say all the right things but it doesn't work and just to look on Miranda's face she's just completely drained and she sees she thinks that there's no going back basically and she brings up divorce do you think um, do you think she's right or if if what she says is true that it has been going on for fourteen years, I'm not sure if she is well able enough to pull out the energy to deal with all these messes. Like, what if Daniel did this every single year for each of the kids' birthdays? Uh, I don't know if he'd do it every single year. I mean, if he did, that should have been something that she would have expected. You know, it being Chris's twelfth birthday. But um, just a timeline here. I how how old would you say Lydia is? Like fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, somewhere around. Yeah, there. so you know about your age, and Chris is just now turning twelve. So it sounds like um, you know all the fighting kind of started after Lydia was born or thereabouts, and so it's just kind of it's kind of weird because then they have a third child too, which you know it's not really saying anything. But uh, what it sounds like, according to Miranda, that it's just been a lot of little things kind of just building up. And it just seems like uh, her, more so, has just kind of been happy uh, in the marriage. So that's kind of, it's very unfortunate. Uh, so Daniel goes to visit his brother. And his brother's on the phone with their mom. And they're talking about him. I think his mom is uh, basically gossiping to the brother, uh, whose name is Frank. Uh, what do you think of the brother? Well, my first reaction, I thought, was, was he gay? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, he turned out to be. But I thought he was funny and um, not exactly a comical relief. They, they they needed him in this story. I think he is. I think he's a comic relief. Uh, what I think is well, weird is... More, he's more than just a comic relief. Yeah. I um, What what I found funny about him, really, is the, uh, his his uh, Eastern accent. You know, I don't know if it's New York or, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what accent that is. I want to say New York, but it's so thick. And then you got Robin Williams, who has like no accent, and they're supposed to be brothers. I think it's funny. Um, apparently, they're not big on their mom because uh, I think the mom tells Frank that Daniel can go live with them or or go stay with her. And Daniel just you know he makes his face. He's like, no, you know, he doesn't want to want to go over there. Uh, but but Daniel tells Frank uh, that he thinks it's gonna blow over. Um, and then we cut to the courtroom. And the judge makes the decision to grant the mom full custody, and Daniel gets visitation, um, which I think is once a week. But this is going to be like a 90-day thing where um, afterwards he'll be reevaluated again. So the judge just wants him to get stable. You know, he wants to get, have him uh, find a job. He wants him to be able to keep the job and just kind of have a decent living, you know, for the kids. What do you think about the uh, the judge's decision there? Do you think it's fair, or do you think it's a little harsh? Uh, I, th I thought it was a little bit too harsh. Okay. Uh, any Anything that factors into that uh, as to why you think it's too harsh? Well, he only gets to see his kids once a week. Yeah. Um, it's, 
I don't know, it's just harsh for something like just getting a divorce. At least let him see him more than once because it's not, it's not anything with the kids. It's to do with their divorce. Yeah, but if, if you think about it, um, well, as far as full custody, I, I think that's a little harsh just because it's um, – you can say that the party he threw was um, reckless. I don't even want to say a bit reckless because it was it was kind of a lot. He, he kind of – I think he went far with that. Um, but once a week, that's, that's probably more than some parents at all. Um, you, you know, I, I don't find him – like uh i don't feel like the kids are in any danger around him but i think the main thing to to kind of take away from this is currently he doesn't have a place to stay yet which he will shortly um but also uh yeah but uh, but currently he doesn't have a job and that's going to be one of the main things in order to take care of kids so if he he if he saw them even more than he does now um, he doesn't even really have the income to really do a whole lot, you know, therefore, and you know, you, you don't really need money to enjoy time with your kids. I think once a week it's good, but he, you know, he needs to find that other time to be, um, you know, finding a job and things like that to really get stable. So at this point it's a bit harsh, but I think it's pretty fair because again, this is only a 90 day uh, evaluation kind of thing, you know, and they'll make their final decision to see how he's done in the in the next three months. So we cut to Daniel finishing uploading his car, and Chris thinks that the the divorce is his uh, his fault for having a birthday party. Um, well, he says birthday for having a birthday. No, for, yeah, for having a birthday. Oh, yeah, and you know that's nothing he can control. So I I kind of like this line because um. I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but I wouldn't be surprised if nine times out of ten that the kids, any of any one of them, would think that is their fault when it comes to you know um, any parents divorcing, and that's just it's just not the case. It, it's it's nine times out of ten probably the parents. But Natalie says that he can't go because they're in the middle of reading Stuart Little, right? Mm-hmm. Or did I hear that wrong? Was it Stuart Little? You remember? I know they read Stuart Little later no, on. No, Charlotte Webb. That's what I thought. Because I wrote down Charlotte's Webb, but then like Stuart Little's brought up like two or three times Stuart, later on. Stuart Little is um, Mrs. Doubtfire asked if that was her favorite, and then when she says yes, Mrs. Doubtfire says yes, that's her favorite too. Because um, he's we'll get into that later. Yeah. Okay. So the, and he says goodbye to the kids, and now we meet uh, Mrs. Selner, who's the, the court liaison. Uh, she says she's going to check up on him on Mondays and Fridays and just kind of, you know, make sure things are in order. He's doing well and that, um, you know, if he has a job that he's, you know, going to work. Uh, she asks what are some things he can do and he says he can do voices. Um, and then we get a, a series of him doing a bunch of impersonations. Did any of those stick out to you or did you like any of those? I think as a kid, I, I thought it was funny, but now watching it again, I thought it was not funny. Um, especially the hot dog one, which like, uh, you still I, laugh when you think about it. Yeah. I still laugh when I think about it. Uh, I don't find it funny. I just think it's funny cause I don't think it's funny if that makes any sense at all. That's why he does it probably. Yeah. It could, could be. Um, but I, I didn't really, I mean, I got some of the other references. Uh, there, there was one that he even, uh, impersonate Sean Connery who plays James Bond, uh, which coincidentally Pierce Brosnan who plays Stewart 
in two years uh, from this movie, he actually plays James Bond as well. What? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, it, I didn't really get what you all just said. Okay. I heard Saban and James... Uh, okay. Stuff. R- Daniel impersonates uh, James Bond. Okay. Okay. The voice that he does it in is Sean Connery, who played a James Bond. Pierce Brosnan, who plays Stewart in this movie, goes on to play James Bond in two years from this movie. Oh, okay. Stu. Well, I mean, he's, he's called both. Oh. Well, uh, I, I know him as Stu, and it says, it says his name's Stu. I know. It says it in the credits, but uh, Stewart is brought up um, pretty often. I just don't even hear Stewart. I don't, I don't remember hearing Stewart. Well, um, Miranda calls him Stewart uh, to the boss. Oh, okay. And then when she sees him, um, I think she calls him Stewart, and then after a while, she calls him Stu. So I, I try to write down um, like the name as they say them. So, um, yeah, he, basically he tells her that he'll do anything that she can get him. Um, so he goes to go. Uh, he goes to work at a um, television network. Uh, he thought that it was going to be like film-related work because there was like a bunch of reels uh, where, where he was at. And Technically, it was. Was that film-related oh, work? Yeah, I know. I guess you're right. Uh, but this guy just says that he's going to be boxing up and shipping things. Um, then we cut to Miranda, who's at work, and now we meet Stuart. Um, and uh, I believe he's going to be investing millions uh, into a mansion, and he's going to change it to a bed and breakfast. Uh, what do you think their history is? I think they used to date before um, Daniel. That's it? That they, they probably just dated? Yeah, they probably just dated before Daniel did, or Pro- came into her life. Probably nothing too serious, and who moved away kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because he's, you know, he, he's got the, uh, he's supposed to be English, right? You know, because later on he mentions he's from London. So I wonder if it was, you know, maybe they met in college, you know, and it was nothing really too serious, but there was definitely some interest or something. Or she went to Un- England, they fell in love, and she had to go back. That that could be it, too. Yeah. She tells him that she's at the beginning of a divorce, and he's pretty empathetic about it. Uh, and he asks her if they can talk later in the week, and she seems pretty happy about it. Uh, in my opinion, I think she seemed a little too happy. Uh, but now we go back, or we go to Daniel's apartment, and the kids are over, and they're having uh, Chinese um, takeout for dinner. And everything, uh, as far as his belongings, are still in boxes, so he hasn't even taken things out yet. And uh, he's still obviously upset and angry at Miranda. You know, kind of make some comments at her and stuff like that. Uh, the kids are really um, trying to. The kids are trying to get him to really try, uh, since they only go over like once a week. Um, but Miranda pulls up, kind of, um, kind of pulls up fast, and I think she even slams on the brakes and uh, she honks. So uh, th- that's the way she uh, signals them to come down. You know, doesn't have a phone to call them or anything like that, but. Uh, I thought it was a little rude. Uh, I find it rude when somebody pulls up to a house and they just honk. Um, I don't know what your thoughts is on that. Did you find that rude at all? Well, I'm not driving, nor do I own a house, so I wouldn't really know. Well, you don't have to speak of experience, but do you think that's rude at all if somebody just pulls up and honks? I mean... No, because plenty of people do it. Sure, but... Okay, but, but my question is if you think it was rude. No. Okay. But Miranda, she comes in and kind of gives him crap about his place. Um, now, that, that, that's rude right there. Sure. Now, what I do find rude is that she is an hour early to pick up the kids, 
but we also find out that she dropped them off an hour late. So his time, we don't know how long he had, but he's already getting two hours taken off of here. Um, She kind of hurries them up because she says that she's going to the newspaper to put in an ad for a housekeeper. Which, you know, he's kind of wondering why, because he can uh, easily take care of the kids afterwards. But she's basically saying that she needs someone to pick up or be be there when the kids get home to have dinner ready, to have the house clean. And she's even offering to pay like $300 a week. I guess that's pretty good, probably for that time. And she's an old lady. What's she going to need all that money for then, I guess? And so while Miranda's not looking, uh, well... I guess uh, I forgot to mention, Daniel asks for to look at the ad, which um, if, if I were her, I mean, I would obviously be a little suspicious as to why he's asking, but he wants to look at it, and she kind of gives it to him anyway. But while she's not looking, he kind of changes a couple of the uh, the digits on the, uh, the phone number. Okay, so we get a montage of Daniel um, calling in a few different times as different people. Now, he's a voice actor. I I guess this kind of shows how disconnected Miranda and Daniel are for her to not even really notice. Because um, I don't think his voices really have that much range to really uh, to really think that they're all different people. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and uh, just me knowing Robin Williams. Uh, I found that a little bit hard to believe. What do you think about that? Well, when they're arguing with each other, she does say that uh, they've grown apart. That she, they don't have the same. They're they're very different. That they don't really know each other anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess I can I can believe that. Um, you know, despite him being a voice actor, that's probably not something he really does in front of her. Maybe early on in their relationship or their marriage. And just as, as she they just grew, forgot. yeah, just as as they grew apart, you know, she probably just didn't really care anymore, and uh, he probably stopped doing stuff like that around the house. So I, I guess I can kind of see that. Uh, one of the um, people that he impersonates when he called in, he asks, um, you know, how many kids she had, and I, I felt like that's something that she'd probably put in the ad. Um, but it's a little nitpicky. But uh, he calls us Mrs. Delphire. One thing that kind of bothered me was that she, uh, Miranda, she kind of you know liked how this was going, um, you know the little brief uh, phone interview, and and then she asks uh, Daniel for her or her name, and then him is like, uh, oh, I thought I gave it to you, dear, and I'm like, okay, so even if she thought like I I don't know I don't know why he'd say that. Because uh, at that point, he wasn't really quite looking around for help yet to, to come up with a name. And that's when he finds a newspaper. Um, I think it says something like Fireman Doubts no, po- Fire. Police, policeman Doubts, Doubts Fire, Fire was, was an, an accident. accident. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like, okay, because he, he says, let's go in for the kill now, right? Like prior to him calling. Mm-hmm. I felt he should have had the name ready too. So. Uh, do you think that's a little nitpicky, or do you think that's pretty valid? Like, I think it's pretty valid. If, yeah, if you're going for the kill, you got to be ready, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're going to need a name. Um, and now, since you love montages, how about we slap you with another one? <laughs> uh, another montage where he goes to see his brother, and he asks him to make him a woman. And his brother is just happy. Uh, and you asked if he's gay. And now, they live in San Francisco, and I understand that uh, San Francisco has a pretty big gay community, too, I think. Now, again, this could be nitpicky, but 
he's um Frank is having him try on these different faces and 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 we see different looks and stuff like that. I feel that since he already kind of got the interview as uh this old sounding lady sounds English, I don't know why they went into like the red-headed lady who spoke with a different accent or Barbara Streisand. Yeah, so so all these things it's I get it. We're showcasing Robin Williams' talents, but I just felt um that maybe it'd be more believable if it was a bunch of older ladies rather than like um, people that are already alive. Yeah, you know they they did do Barbara Streisand. Yeah, and um, but I don't know. It's fine. But what do you think of the plastering sequence? You know, like uh, the the whole process of him making the face for Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, like uh, the what they had to uh, make his his whole face out of um. They had to make a mold of his face, and then like making the plaster and the coloring and all that, the eyeballs. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think too much. <clears throat> well, I just thought that uh, he really didn't know how to work. Yeah. Well, one of the very first behind the scenes making of anything that I've ever seen was the making of the Thriller video, and um, I got to see them basically uh, do the exact same thing they did in here for um, Michael Jackson's makeup. Uh, so we go back to the Hillard's residence, and the family uh, meets Mrs. Doubtfire for the first time. And she is saying all the right things to each and one of them. Uh, Lydia is the only one that isn't happy. Um, and she asks uh, Miranda why they can't just spend the extra time with their dad. And she's kind of bashing on Daniel, and Mrs. Doubtfire suggests uh, maybe excusing them. So that way she's just, you know, not uh, talking bad about, about Daniel. Um, the kids leave, and Lydia's... In front of them. Right, in front of them. Uh, the kids leave, and L Lydia's kind of staring her down as they leave. Um, but I think it's because uh, as they were being excused, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire called her Liddy. Do you think that's why she had this look on her face, or what did you think it was? I don't really think I had anything of it, to be honest. I don't even really remember Mrs. Doubtfire calling her Liddy. Yeah, um... It, it was very vague. Okay. Yeah, I, I caught it because just because of the look that, that she gave. So I was like, at first I was like, well, why does she just not like Mrs. Doubtfire? Or did she kind of look at the face and have something going on? Or was it because she said Liddy? Um, but Miranda and Mrs. Doubtfire, they go to the kitchen and she has tea. They have tea. Yes. Uh, she Miranda is reviewing Mrs. Doubtfire's resume. And uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is the one who's prepping the tea. And she, this is when she comments how organized everything. Uh, she opens up a drawer and like things are labeled and stuff. Um, now, do you think uh, Mrs. Doubtfire was being sarcastic uh, about like how organized things was? Because um, she's like, ooh, look at this. Uh, it's Everything's labeled in here. Like, do you think she was just trying to be... Um, you know, trying to compliment as Mrs. Doubtfire, or was she like in the mindset of Daniel in, in his head thinking, like, God, look, look at this, it, it, things are even labeled inside the cupboards? Probably that one, the second the one. The latter? Yeah. Um, Miss, it cuts to Mrs. Doubtfire at the bus stop, and she has to bend over to pull up a stocking. That, and this is kind of foreshadowing. Um, and then it shows. Her walking home from the bus and 
she's gonna I, I don't know if she does this as Daniel or as her but she's talking about heels like how she's gonna that's as Daniel as Daniel he, he's gonna kill whoever invented the heels or something mm-hmm. um, and then so she she's about to go into the apartment and then Mrs. Selner shows up and um, and Mrs. Delphire is like oh Mrs. Selner and obviously they hadn't met yet so Mrs. Delphire has to say that she's Daniel's older sister uh, Mr. Selner, Mr. Mrs. Selner even comments that uh, they have the same eyes. Now, I have a problem with that. She has met Daniel one time, and she already is saying that they have this, uh, you know, same or similar eyes. Yet, Daniel's family, no one has able to, like, uh, say anything. Except for, well, I guess Miranda in the kitchen did say that, you know, she looked f- familiar. Maybe they knew each other in another life or something like that, right? Well, she says, it feels like I've known you for years, and then yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire pulls up the line that they might have met in another life. Yeah. Well. Which they did. Sure. So, uh, they go upstairs, and now Daniel has to play both characters at this time. And I, I feel like this is kind of a, a, a trope or a cliche, whatever you want to call it, in a lot of movies where somebody, um, you know, not only dresses up as somebody else, but if they're playing another character. For example, um, what's that one with uh, Amanda Bynes, where she had to play her twin brother? You know what? Which movie I'm talking about? She's the man. She's the man. Yeah. See, so something like that. Because she's playing her twin brother, there's always a scene where where uh, they have to kind of pull this ruse of playing both characters, and then this other person totally does not catch on. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's a total thing. So. It's fun, but I'm just didn't the entire time I'm sitting there trying to figure out like how does Mrs. Selner not not put two and two together? You know what I mean? Um, did you like anything from this scene at all? Because um, okay. Oh yes, uh, with Mrs. Selner. Yeah, Mrs. yeah, the, the whole scene in the apartment. The cake one where uh, Mrs. Cake. Uh, yeah Daniel. Has Mrs. Doubtfire's suit on, but he dropped his face mask on the street and yeah. got ran over. But, so but, he, had oh, to, he had to cover his face, so he, he had a cake in the fridge. I got a comment about that. I, I We've only been um, in the Pacific Northwest. Now, I've never seen a garbage truck run that late at night. We want to assume it's it's late, right? Well, I guess not too late because uh, there's, there's two Asian boys who live across the way that, that caught uh, Daniel... Uh, undressing and getting dressed as as a woman, which they found funny. And I remember at 10 years old, uh, I, I thought one of them, uh, one of the boys looked like a kid that was in my class too. And I would joke that, oh, you're in Mrs. Doubtfire. He didn't know what I was talking about. But Wait, what does that have to do with the time? Well, well they were up. Good good point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- that they were still up. And, uh, well, was it a Monday or a Friday? Because those, those are the days that... Uh, Mrs. Selner says she would go visit. I think it was a Monday, right? May have been a Monday. Yeah, because see, so, it was the first time that they met the kids. Right? Yeah, right. So, so let's let's uh, let's assume it was a school night. So it, it probably isn't too late. So the kids are up, and I don't know. Garbage truck could still be running, I guess. But yeah, I was just uh, definitely kind of picking that scene apart. But to what you were saying with the whole cake thing, as I understand it, all the droppings and stuff like that was actually kind of. Um, Improvised. Uh, I, I guess the the set lights were so warm that it was melting it right off of his face. Uh, a lot of the things he did was improvised. 
Um, but uh, I'm glad that th that scene worked. Now, <laughs> as far as it dropping straight into the cup, I don't know if that they went in and tried to you know make that work, or was that on the spot? Because if it was on the spot, that worked out great. Um, Probably on the spot because it didn't perfectly go in the cup, but it did go in the cup. Yeah. But, so you Robin know, Williams might have just been trying to stand over it as best he could. Yeah, I mean, they could have uh, taken a lot of shots afterwards. After, like, it, it was melting and dropping, maybe they decided to use it and then start working that in. So could have gone either way. But I did, I did read that um, he kind of improvised that stuff since it was melting. Um, and it was cake, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, now that kind of makes me question, like, why is it? Why does he even have a cake in the fridge? That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so I was gonna say that, but then he cut me off. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, just convenient. Uh, well, the reason that there's a cake because apparently it was gonna be avocado that he was gonna put on his face, but uh, I guess it just made him look too much like a monster. So, hey, I didn't write this stuff; only read it. Uh, so we get a quick scene uh, in the men's bathroom. Um, he came out of the stall as a woman, and this guy was, like, washing his hand and uh, saw Mrs. Doubtfire and was just kind of, like, you know, just kind of gave this um, grin and a nod. And then as Mrs. Doubtfire walks off, he kind of does a second take. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and then, so we're back at the Hillard's residence, and the kids are watching Dick Van Dyke, uh, an older TV show, obviously. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is laying down the rules and says that they'd be punished if, uh, if the kids didn't follow them. And Lydia tests her, and then it cuts to them cleaning the house. And even Natalie, like, makes a comment, too, to basically keep her mouth shut next time. Um, Mrs. Delfire's in the kitchen and trying to put together dinner, and everything is going wrong. And I think we both had a kick out of this scene. Uh, the pots are overboiling, uh, things in the pans are burning, and then while tasting the soup, sets his boobs on fire. <laughs> so that, that was really good there. But this part didn't make sense to me, because if he did burn his boobs off, then how did he get a new set? I mean, did he keep it in his bag? Oh, no, hey, no very good point. That's uh, that's definitely an error there on their part, I'd imagine. So, extra change of clothes. Yeah, let, let's say he had an extra pair of shirt, but but your boobs are still burnt. Um, I don't know. Uh, so th that's something to go uh, to, to look for actually. If we ever go back to to see if it's the exact same shirt, because that just be like too convenient. Um, yeah, good eye. Uh, so he then decides, or she decides, to order food from a fancy place. And it's funny because this guy comes to deliver the food, and I forget the exact dollar amount, but it was like a hundred thirty something. And um, it was like a hundred and thirty and twenty seven cents. Okay, so it was a hundred thirty and some change. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, so Mrs. Delphire gives him one hundred forty and asks for change, which the guy does not have. And I think, uh, well, here's the thing: it was just three dollars extra. Well, no, because if you're saying it's one thirty and some change, and it was one hundred forty, that's that's still nine and some change, right? That he sh she should be getting back. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, the the thing is, well, this guy is a uh, he delivered the food. Typically, you tip the delivery people, and even nine dollars would actually be kind of that's that's not even generous. Nine dollars would be not even enough to tipping somebody that's delivering like one hundred thirty dollars worth of food. Okay. Uh, but I think it also speaks to like. Um, uh, how Daniel is right now as far as income. He doesn't really quite have the money, so he even needs that nine and some change. So um, I think that's pretty good writing, actually. Well, if he really needed that money, then he has $140 in his wallet because he didn't know it would be that much money. Right. 
Um, but Miranda comes home, and the kids are coming downstairs from doing homework, and she comments, uh, Miranda comments, that the house is spick and span, and then they all go to the dining room as Mrs. Delphire is finishing up setting the food. Uh, Mrs. Delphire is leaving the house, and Lydia chases her down to apologize for earlier, basically for, you know, being mean. Um, then we're at the bus stop again. The bus driver, yeah, is, is um, she probably just keeps on getting off at the same time, and that's why she's running to the same guy. Um, but he noticed that the stocking is down again. or Well, this time he notices it's down, so that's kind of, it was foreshadowed earlier. And he kind of comments that he likes the natural look. Um, I forgot the exact wording, but he said something about Mediterranean, or do you remember that line at all? Nope. It, it was just kind of a creepy line. Um, who, who said it? The, the bus driver. Uh... About the hairy leg. Oh, he said, um, Cause he, he, I like that in a woman. Natural, uh, that, that is natural. Yeah, that's natural. That's how God made you or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he's a nice guy. I mean, he's just an old man. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't I say a nice man. I would say creep. You, you think he's creepy? <laughs> well, yeah. see, that's funny because you think he's creepy, but I don't find him creepy. Um, I mean, I don't know. What else What else do you say? Oh, I guess you just don't say anything at all. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. Um, okay. Uh, and then we get to a little montage, and this is where they're playing the Aerosmith song. Uh, so a couple things happening. Um, Mrs. Dalfire is playing soccer with Chris, uh, riding bikes with the kids, vacuuming and dancing, which is a pretty memorable scene. You see that a lot in, like, trailers and stuff. Um, watching uh, Daniel watching the Food Network and uh, taking notes on how to cook lobster, uh, and then Mrs. Delphire reading Stuart Little with Maggie, and uh, one part she's looking down uh, outside the window and sees Miranda and Stuart, uh, presumably just coming back from a date or whatever, and Miranda's going inside the house, and Stuart looks up, sees her, gives her a little wave, uh, wave walks off, and then Mrs. Delphire get, uh, flips him the birdie. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever done something like that, but just uh, the hand gesture, it just looked a little weird the way Mrs. Delphire had uh, the middle finger and the thumb. But anyway, uh, Mrs. Delphire almost gets robbed uh, crossing the street. And what did you think of that scene? Oh, I thought that was pretty funny because he, he shouts back at the guy <laughs> who tried to uh, rob it with in his voice. Right. And that just freaks the <laughs> robber out. I think he kind of like shoves him with the two hand, the two handed shove too, right? It just, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a pretty good scene. I like it. Okay, and then she gets to the Hillard's house and sees Stewart's uh, Mercedes, and uh, she breaks off the emblem. Uh, inside, Stewart is meeting uh, is meeting the entire family, more of the kids anyway, and Mrs. Valfar comes in, and they have a little uh, a pretty funny exchange with each other. Um, Stuart mentions, oh, you, you know, uh, I lived in London, which is the funny thing is uh, the actor is actually Irish, um, but he has portrayed a lot of English act or English characters. But is it because of his accent? See, well, that's the thing. I I don't really know, uh, and and this is kind of the 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 James Bond coincidence thing again too, because Sean Connery is actually Irish, and he, and James Bond is a English um, agent, so I I don't. And he, and he, Pierce Brosnan hasn't been, um, as far as I know, I don't think he was casted as uh, James Bond yet. So it's just kind of a interesting choice to have him go this way. But I, I, I guess it's just because 
Mrs. Doubtfire is supposed to be English, so that's why they made him English. Um, so I don't know. I just thought it was an inter- interesting choice because the actor is Irish. They may have tried to make him more attractive with an English accent or something. Could be. I mean, it's some may say an Irish accent uh, is is you know pretty. I don't know if suave's the right word, but uh, there's something about the foreign accents. You know, I think women like it. But he, Stuart, says to Mrs. Doubtfire, says that the uh, he couldn't really pinpoint the area that she's from because the accent's a little muddled. <laughs> and she replies, so is your tan. Uh, I thought that was a really good uh, reply. I got it. Yeah. But I didn't really get it. Okay. No, it's just uh, the uh, un- uneven tan. I don't know. It's just, oh. It was just a quick reply. But also, uh, I, th- I also liked the comment about having the Mercedes. You know, she says that uh, usually men uh, buy a nice car like that to kind of compensate for, for their... Uh... Small genitals. <laughs> I, like, I like throughout the whole movie, yeah. she's just bashing on him and his genitals. Sure, rightfully so. This, this, this uh, Daniel, his kids had been taken away from him. And, you know, just like that. You know, um, Miranda is already kind of moving on. You know, a very handsome man, very wealthy. He's putting millions into this project, and he's in Daniel's home, you know, with the kids. So I, I totally understand, but uh, it, it is a, a really funny exchange between the two. Uh, we get the next scene. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is helping Natalie with uh, the spelling. Um just vocabulary, basically, right? I think they're working on some words. But uh, she has to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, so Chris is walking, and then he walks into the bathroom, sees Mrs. Doubtfire standing up, peeing. Um, I'll stop right there for now. Your thoughts about this at this point? First off, what do you think about the door not being locked? Okay, I was I was pretty ticked off that it wasn't lost. So you because, had a problem with that? Yeah, I had a problem with that. You didn't think that's realistic at all? No. Okay. Uh, I'll actually, go ahead and tell me your thoughts, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I think about that. Well, uh, Daniel's keeping such a big secret about him being Mrs. Doubtfire, but he didn't make the effort to try and lock the door when he was peeing while he was also standing up. Yeah. And, like, the exact moment that he does start peeing what's his name comes in Chris Chris mm-hmm. comes in and then he just walks in but his reaction the way he freaked out and went to uh, Lydia Lydia like he was like call 911 this our babysitter's a half man half woman like there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that it's just something that they are yeah Not like he's I, he's committing a crime so, so you think he's overreacting yes yeah definitely. um I I don't know if I, if I feel he was overreacting. I think somebody could really react that way. Um, because you you got to think, uh, this was 93. We live in a uh, progressive society now. Um, you know, I, I get along with all types of orientation and, and ethnicity and all that kind of thing. Uh, as far as transgender goes, I don't think it was... I think it was a little bit more taboo back in in the early 90s. I don't think they were kind of, I, for lack of of a better word, accepted a little bit more the way they are now. Mm -hmm. You know, as for, like, right now, um, there's a show that I watch, Orange is the New Black. There's a transgender actor in there who plays a transgender person on the show as well. So it's a little bit more commonplace now, but I, I feel like in 93 it wasn't. 
um, that's seven years prior to you being born. So I, I feel that's um, that could be some, uh, you know, an actual um, organic reaction of a 12-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, call the cops. You know, Mrs. Doubtfire isn't a woman. It's it's a man. You know, like, he doesn't know what to think. You know, this this was a big surprise, you know. So, it, it, and this person has been living in their house taking care of them all this time, right? They had just been playing soccer, you know, just a few minutes ago in, in that montage. So, I believe it. Um, as far as the door not being locked, now, how many times have you gone to any of our bathrooms and not locked the door? Would you say half the time maybe probably half the time yeah i mean i usually lock the door because because here's the thing i and this may not work for what's going on right now um in the movie but for me i don't lock the door eh, probably about half the time but that's because i feel like well you guys know that i'm getting up walking to the bathroom and no one's going to come in right after and and that's just why i do that sometimes if i'm on the uh, if i'm upstairs by myself and everyone else is downstairs uh, i may not even shut the door all the way you know so i can kind of see that happening he really just needed to go pee so badly didn't want to go through having to take off all those things right so so he's probably not even thinking just shuts the door not thinking that somebody's going to come in soon and just thinks that he can, you know, just go pee real quick and well, somebody not walk in. You know, the kids are on the same floor. He was just yeah. doing a spelling bee thing with Lydia, so he didn't he didn't know about Chris. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, see, I, I didn't have a problem so much about the door not being locked. My problem was that uh, he did not react when the door opened. Because oh, uh, yeah. that's when I would have, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but this just happened to me literally a, a couple of days ago. Um, I was in the bathroom. You know where I, I take my lunch, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I don't need to really beat around the bush. I, I take my lunch at a, a friend's business. Um, and when I was there, it was just me and him. He had he has a vendor who delivers things to his business. Um, so I was in the bathroom and I swear the door was locked and, uh, his vendor is a, it was a woman and she, she opens up the door and I just, uh, you know, I'm all like cover myself and I'm like, Oh no, I'm in here. You know, that kind of thing. So, um, I just feel if you heard the, the doorknob, the door opening, like you would react a certain way, but Mrs. Dahlfire was so nonchalant about it. I think that could play into why Chris acted the way he did, um, so that that was my biggest problem was the the oh, yeah, not okay, reacting. I see what you mean. Yeah, so the, the that was my problem, the not reacting, uh, not so much the door being locked and things like that. So yeah, so Chris runs over to Lydia, and he's basically freaking out, and you know she doesn't even quite understand um, everything she's telling him, and she I think she grabs like a tennis racket right when mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Delphire does come in. And and he's like he's a she, he's a he she she's a he and uh, so I kind of like that that was really funny but um, basically this yeah Daniel uh, wait yeah Mrs Dalfire says something and then um, no. uh, Chris says no crap you know but he says the sh word and then that's when in Daniel's voice is watch your mouth young man or or something like that so that's when they find out that it is Daniel. So, um, basically, he just kind of asks uh, the two of them to kind of keep it a secret between them, not even to tell Natalie. Uh, the next scene, um, Daniel's at work, at his real work, and he is watching a live taping 
of one of the shows. I think it's uh, Mr. Sprinkles or something like that and some dinosaurs. I, I don't remember the his, actor's his name. name. Uh, well, I, I know he's called Mr. Sprinkles later on, um, but I wasn't sure if he just retained his name from this role that he's playing. But basically, he's just, he's just this old man playing with a bunch of dinosaurs. Uh, it's so boring. The, uh, one of the cameramen even starts dozing off, and I think the camera even drops down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty funny scene. Um, but Daniel walks up to this guy who's kind of off off the side uh, as well, w- watching what's going on. And he finds out that it's uh, Mr. Lundy, who happens to be running the place. And uh, he's basically the one that made the decision to keep this guy, Mr. Sprinkles, on for the last 25 years. Uh, then we cut to the kitchen um, at the Hillards. And Miranda, she's talking to Mrs. Dalfire. Uh, basically, I guess she found out about an older, ugly woman living with Daniel, claiming to be his sister. Now, did she say she found that out for Mrs. Selner? Yes. Okay, so, okay, I missed that. Um, they have a brief talk about uh, the late Mr. Doubtfire. Uh, his name was Winston. Um, and well, I like how Mrs. Doubtfire says that uh, basically the drink um, killed him, or mm-hmm. drinking killed him. And then... Uh, kind of gets a little detailed about it. He got hit by a Guinness truck. So Guinness is a beer mm-hmm. brand, yeah. So I thought that was really funny. And the, the choice of this story, I, it was a little was a little over the top, but I, I found it funny. Uh, and then they have a really long talk about basically what went wrong with Miranda and, and Daniel. So Daniel, he gets to hear everything that she's had on her mind, basically. And what, what do you think about this? Do you think he's finally come to understand what yeah, she's been feeling? I think he's finally getting to know her side of the story and mm-hmm. everything that she's going through. Uh, I just don't think that it's uh, very good that he's just coming to his senses as a, another person yeah, rather than himself. And I find that this is pretty realistic because... Um, Daniel is finding this out as Mrs. Doubtfire, and it's very easy to to kind of, um, I don't know, I, I feel that obviously as Daniel, they couldn't really, really sit down and talk it through, you know, have a, a, a very adult conversation, because um, at first I felt this scene was a little long, and then I kind of thought about it and be like, okay, well, she's never... She's she's already felt disconnected in her marriage from him, so she's never really going to sit down and, and pour her heart out. So as this complete stranger who kind of has gone through something kind of similar, I guess, uh, and kind of a new member of their family, she's kind of telling Mrs. Delphire everything. So this kind of kind of slaps Daniel in the face like, wow, you know, she's, she's right. You know, she's absolutely right. And then, uh, and then the pool scene uh, is next. And I really like this scene. This is one of the scenes that really stick out, too, when I think of Mrs. Delphire. Um, so they're all walking to go meet up Stu. And Mrs. Delphire <laughs> makes a comment about, uh, from the looks of things, the water must be cold. <laughs> uh, which you didn't uh, get at first. I didn't get it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I had to explain that to you. Um, explain it to our listeners. No, it's okay. I think I'll leave it. I, I think most people would get it. Um, it just went over your head a little bit. I just thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, the entire family, they basically go swimming, and Mrs. Dalfire obviously doesn't want to change into a bikini. Uh, but uh, she goes to the bar and has some drinks, 
while watching Stuart move in on the on uh, on her family. Uh, a nice blonde comes up to order a drink, and Daniel forgets he's Mrs. Doubtfire for a moment. Even offers to pay for the drink, and uh, the the woman replies, "No, thank you." Um, and then Stuart comes up to the bar, not where Mrs. Doubtfire is, but just a little bit further down. Uh, to get some drinks, and I don't know who this guy is that he's even talking to. Maybe just another regular at that place. Okay, uh, maybe it's a uh, like a country club, and it's a member that that knows him or something. Um, but yeah, he's talking to this guy about his relationship with Miranda, basically saying that he's pushing forty and uh, you know needs to settle down. Um, and as he walks off, uh, he made a comment about Daniel being like a deadbeat dad or something like that. So Mrs. Delphire grabs, I think, an orange. Was it an orange? Lime. A lime. Yes, it it just, green. just chucks it at his head. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. Uh, it was really funny because then he's like, oh, did you did you upset a uh, an employee? It yeah, was, like, it was like, a f- fruit buy or what was it? Is that what he a, said? Is a fruit. F- fruit and run. Fruit and run. <laughs> And then he said, uh, did you forget to tip one of the employees here? <laughs> um, and then we cut to Daniel back at work. And he goes onto the set to play with those dinosaurs. Uh, so this is probably like before or after the shooting. No one else is there. And, uh, you know, Robin Williams improvs with the uh, dinosaurs a little bit. Um, Mr. Lundy, the, I don't know if he's CEO or whatever, but basically the boss, uh, he happens to be walking by and sees Daniel and thinks he's funny. Uh, goes up to talk to him, says he likes him, he wants to hear some more ideas, and then invites him to dinner. And now we're back at Daniel's apartment again. Uh, they're the kids. They're over there having spaghetti, mm-hmm. and everything's a lot cleaner, right? Mm-hmm. Looks very like, clean. Yeah, it looks a lot better than uh, than earlier, and it's a little bit more organized. Um, Miranda shows up, and she's impressed. You know, she she says as much, and he says that he's learned to cook, bake, and sew. And asks for a second chance to let him take the kids after uh, after school, but she's too happy with Mrs. Doubtfire. Says she's the best thing that's ever happened to them. Uh, then we go back to the Hillards, and Miranda's got two dresses and asks for Mrs. Doubtfire's opinion. Uh, she asks what the occasion was, and it happens to be her birthday. Now, <laughs> now, do you do you think Mrs. Doubtfire was? Surprised, or was she playing it off? Surprised. I think she was actually surprised. And again, that kind of plays into Daniel's character, right? Uh, he mm-hmm. probably completely forgot, um, and it just just more on their on their marriage. Um, but he he picks this really, uh, or she picks this ugly dress, and Miranda's. She even makes this uh, look. I thought it was, uh, this expression or phrase was really funny. And she's like, um. The last time I wore that was in the 70s at my aunt's wedding, or aunt's funeral. Yeah, aunt's funeral. Aunt's funeral. Um, but Miranda invites her to uh, her birthday dinner, which, you know, she tries to decline at first and says it's like bingo night. Um, and then she, she gets to take the ball out of the thing or whatever. Right. <laughs> that's that's all pretty funny stuff. I, I wonder if that was ad-libbed. Um, but they're going to go to her favorite restaurant called Bridges, uh, at 7 PM. And I swear they brought up the name like three or four times. Um, obviously foreshadowing here. Um, actually, no, that that's because, uh, Mr. Lundy brought it up earlier that I forgot to mention. Um, but yeah, Miranda's super naggy. What, what do you think about this? Like, uh, uh as far as like her inviting Mrs. Delphire, Mrs. Delphire decli- uh, declining the invitation, yet she's still like you know, pursuing her. To yeah, go. I don't know why she would even want Mrs. Delphire to go so badly. I mean, 
I get that they've become sort of close, but, you know, she is just a housekeeper. Right. Yeah, I just thought that, like, look, if she's going to do bingo, let the let the old lady go to her bingo night and make, make up something for the birthday later. So, yeah, I, I thought she was really naggy. Um, and so the dinner scene, uh, another favorite scene of mine. Um, was, so, to mm-hmm. me, it was an okay scene, but it just seemed to go on for a really long time. It did. It, so it's the longer a really... it dragged out, the more boring it got. Yeah, I think this particular scene... Um, I wrote the the most notes for, uh, which I, I'll try not to get too much into. But they're checking in with the Mater D. Mr. Lundy is ahead of them, and he asks for the non-smoking section. And it doesn't really matter because it's like there, well, well, there's the, no way to separate the non-smoking section from the section. Yeah, see, I I don't remember. I mean, I've never been to fancy restaurants in the '90s, but uh, I, I know that there was a time, especially Danny's. Danny's used to have a smoking and non-smoking section. There wasn't even anything to separate them. It was just this just, side or that side. Right, right, and and that's that's usually how it is too. The, um, at Danny's, when they had the smoking non-smoking section, there was nothing to divide. It's just you go this way for the smoking, and then this way for the non-smoking. Um, but what I find interesting is both of these people they should have reservations, and I would think that when you're making reservations, you would pick smoking or non-smoking, right? And basically, my problem with this whole little beginning here is that they uh the oh, yeah, the writers no well the writers they chose mr lundy to go with the non-smoking section that kind of forces the hillard family to go to the smoking section now you got little kids there natalie is i don't know how five. old five mm-hmm. okay um but anyway they're all young kids and you're gonna put this family in the smoking section so i just felt i i don't know why that was even a thing uh for the writers to put that in it should have been the other way around so just me as a parent i just felt that very um i know i got irresponsible it that's what okay. i was thinking all right when i first saw it so they sit down, and Natalie has to go to the bathroom, and Miranda takes her, and Mrs. Dalfire tells Chris and Lydia to go get desserts. And then there, uh, her her and Stuart have this, well, she's the one that's talking, but um, they have uh, an awkward and very inappropriate talk. Um, and she mentions that Miranda has basically an adult toy uh, and has crabs. Um, and I, I get it, but I think it's a little much. Uh, what, what'd you think about the, the, the rest of this scene? Like uh, er, oh, everything. I love Mrs. Doubtfire and the way that she talks to, um, Mr. Lundy. Oh, oh, uh, Stu. Stu. Yeah. And the way that she always bashes on him and his genitals. That's, yeah. that's just what I really love about him when he talks to Stu. Yeah. He's either giving him the birdie or giving him a talk about his genitals. Yeah, it, it goes back and forth. Uh, um, uh, well, she goes back and forth as far as changing, and and it, it's just kind of like the scene earlier uh, with Mrs. Selner. Uh, they just do it with the family this time. Um, um, Stu seems like a genuinely nice guy because mm-hmm. he's not like just getting on Miranda and not liking the kids whatsoever. He actually likes the kids. He loves yeah. Miranda. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have like any ulterior motive, you know, to be uh deceitful or anything like that. He see he seems like a pretty stand up guy. One point uh Mrs. Duffard does the what I wrote down in my notes, the Superman trick. You know, kinda went into the bathroom real quick and like two seconds later came out as Robin Williams while mm-hmm. there's a woman at the at the mirror. 
So that, that, was, that was a pretty neat trick. I, I can't imagine Robin Williams really changing that fast. Uh, so I think that was really cool. Um, but I had a nitpick about Mrs. Doubtfire being able to get into the kitchen, throw on a server's coat to go put pepper on Stewart's jambalaya. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously Daniel had to keep going to Mr. Lundy, you know, had to play the dual role, that kind of thing. And they'd been drinking so much that it basically impairs his judgment, and he forgets that at one point he still misses Delphire and sits down. And then there's a moment when Daniel, um, yeah, yeah, so he's over there, and then Stu gets his food and he starts choking because he's allergic to peppers. And uh, so they, you know, there is this big scene, and then they're all looking for Mrs. Delphire because she's supposed to be an expert in like CPR, the Heimlich, and all that. And then they see her shout for Mrs. Delphire, then Mrs. Delphire stands up. And then uh, Daniel says, uh, you know, I killed the bastard. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it ends in this really big reveal where he finally does, uh, Mrs. Delphire does the Heimlich. Stu, um, you know, spits out the shrimp that he was chucking on that that had the peppers. And uh, the face mask had been coming off slightly. Uh, and and so just like sort of sagging off of his Sagging face. off the face, yes. Yeah, so, so so he takes it off and, and sees, you know, now we see it's Daniel. Um and Miranda just flips her wig. You know, she is, like, crazy at this point. She's hysterical. Yeah, thank you. Great word. Um, any thoughts on that? I think she, she overreacted. Actually, no, no. That, that wasn't overreacting because, you know, she let him come into her house, clean everything, watch the kids. And under the guise of a woman, like, he even drops the line, oh, goodness, I'm Norman Bates. Yeah, because yeah, he's wearing the, yeah. yeah. Um, and now the, uh, the whole thing about the face, uh, apparently any time where the face is like that, if you're, if Robin Williams is ever just holding the face, that's actually a prop. Um, because when he's actually Mrs. Delphire, that's actually like prosthetics and stuff like that. They added to the face and it's like a four and a half hour uh, process. Mm-hmm. But anytime when the face is like hanging off like that, or he's just holding on, uh, like the scene where it falls out the window, that's all just prop. Yeah. So that that was very interesting because I did, did you know always think like why does it always look weird when it's not really on his face? Um, and then we go back into the courtroom um, and he's acting on his own attorney. Why do you think that is? Miss or Daniel? A uh, Daniel? Um, maybe he just didn't have a attorney or something. I I think and the that judge let him. It, well, you can definitely, uh, you know, defend yourself. You know, you don't. You have the right to an attorney, but you don't have to have one. Mm-hmm. I feel that maybe he's depleted all his income, and he's really got no more, more money to afford a lawyer. Um, and that's just what I, I thought, because I, I thought that'd be a good question to ask you. Why do you think he was representing himself? Um, but the, maybe just to give him this monologue. It it could be, but he can say it himself too. He doesn't need his lawyer to say it. Um, but he pleads insanity to the judge, and he just says he's crazy about his kids, uh, every, you know, since day one, that he's addicted to his kids. Uh, judge thinks it's heartfelt and genuine, but given his, you know, uh, that he's been disguising as a woman, uh, that it could just be an act. Uh, the judge makes the decision to still grant Miranda full custody, and uh, with the this time, he uh, again, he see the kids yeah. once a week, but supervised. And then he says, we'll check back in in a year. Yeah, so that's that's got to be super rough, and I feel for it. Um, they even said that, you know, he needs to, like, go see a psychologist or whatever, you know. If it's four times, okay, so once a week and there's four weeks, 
uh, it would be like four times a month. There's 12 months. That would be 48, only 48 times a year. Yeah. And that's at, that's at most because there's at most four weeks in a month or three weeks. Yeah. And, and you know, I, it's really, really sad to say it, but that's still more than some, some other parents. You know, there, there's all different types of uh, arrangements. You know, every other weekend, you know, Daniel's getting every week. But with the supervision, mm-hmm. that's got to be rough. But Robin Williams, uh, is good acting here. At first, I was like, God, you know, I don't know how I would have reacted. Would I have got, gotten up and stormed out of the court? But, like, you're still in a court proceeding. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't leave until you're excused, you know, because you can be held in contempt or something like that. But uh, I, I think the way he reacted was um, it, it really got to me there. But Miranda, she doesn't really quite seem pleased, but she does, um, you know, kind of appears to feel bad. You know, she she sees the way he reacts, and it's 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 breaking her heart and breaking his heart. Um, and then we we see, um, I think we cut to her interviewing a lady, right, who mm-hmm. d- doesn't do anything. She doesn't do cooking. She doesn't do cleaning. She yeah, doesn't she do diapers. Like, she she doesn't do anything. So I, I wonder what does she do actually? She just like watches the kids, make sure they don't suffocate. I guess so. Um, maybe you know, sit there on her phone playing Candy Crush. <laughs> uh, it's but, the nineties. Yeah, I know. Pac-Man. I know. Uh, <laughs> Pac Man's eighties. Nineties <laughs> uh, was. Um, uh, maybe she was playing Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> uh, no, that's you. That's yeah. Uh, but she, uh, Miranda, crosses the lady off uh, on a list of like six other women. Um, so you can tell that she's been interviewing some people and they just, they're not working out. Um, all the kids, they're missing Mrs. Delphire, even Miranda. She says as much. And um, then they hear the voice, uh, her voice, and then they run into the other room. So I guess the TV was on. Yes, and that turn way. to the exact same channel that he and, happened to. And be. the audio happens to play the exact same time mm-hmm. that Mrs. Delphire's show goes on. So I get it, but that, that kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit. Um, like, why would they have the TV playing on when they're interviewing some other people? Right. Um, but they kind of have a good laugh. It was kind of nice to see her again on TV. Um, and then we cut to, like, a dress rehearsal of the Mrs. Delphire show, and Miranda shows up. Um, she's catching the tail end of it, uh, where uh, Mrs. Delphire is act, uh, interacting with a monkey. Um, now, would you be interested in a show like this? Yeah. Really, Mrs. No. Mrs. Delphire talking no, to a monkey? No, 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 no. Um, it's funny because the, the, shortly after this uh, rehearsal, um, I think there's like a, a couple lines dropped of how successful the show was doing, which I, I'm sure it is, but I can't. I can't. I can't see very many people be uh, interested in even watching this show. But it's um, the nineties. They had nothing sure. else to watch. No, you're probably right. Uh, so she talks to Daniel and says that uh, she's basically there to congratulate him, and uh, you know she says things. She wants things to be better. Uh, she says that the kids miss him and that uh, they're happier when Mrs. Delphar was around. Uh, apparently, you know she made everyone better, even Miranda. Um, so we kind of see where this is going to go. And then he cuts back to the Hillards, and they're watching the show again. Uh, Mrs. Delphire says they're getting um, uh, a guest on the show, Frank. Did you catch that? Was it? Uh, no. No, I didn't catch that. So so, so the kids were watching the, 
the Mrs. Doubtfire show, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Doubtfire tells like one of the uh, you know puppets or whatever that they were going to have a guest on, on the next show, uh, Frank, who you know, which is Daniel's brother. So Daniel's oh, brother is going to okay. yeah be a guest, um, probably talk about like makeup, and prosthetics, or whatever. But uh, there's a doorbell. And Mrs. Doubtfire goes to answer it, and it's uh, it's a mailman. It's Mr. Sprinkles, the guy that uh, Mrs. Doubtfire replaced. It's funny because he's also talking really slowly. Yeah. Though. So I wonder if he went postal. <laughs> <laughs> Harking back on an uh, episode of Jumanji there. Um, now we c- uh, and then we see the family again, and then their doorbell rings, and uh, Miranda says it's the new housekeeper. Uh, the kids aren't very excited at all, but they open up the door, and surprise, it's Daniel. So everyone's happy, and basically they tell the kids that um, they're keeping the courts out of it, and it's just going to be between them. So what happened to Stu? Um, I think he's still around. Um, you know, it's just something that they're going to, uh, Miranda and Daniel are going to work together for the kids. Um, and so she's probably going to continue on uh, with Stu and, you know, maybe even get married. You know, Stu has a lot of money. Um, which uh, I'm sure is not what she is even looking for. She's looking for someone who's going to love her and, you know, take care of her and things like that. And Stu seems to be, uh, like, a pretty nice guy. We've already even mentioned it ourselves that, you know, that doesn't appear to be anything wrong with him, that he's a really nice guy. Um, so I feel that he's still there, uh, still around. And Daniel's just going to be able to see the kids without supervision and, you know, anytime, maybe not anytime he wants them, but, like, it's going to be a little bit more flexible. You know, and it, it's up to them, so that's totally fine. Um, and now, as I understand it, uh, with you know a little bit of experience, if they wanted to do something like that, all they have to do is submit something to the courts and say, "Hey, we both agree on this," and then the courts would be okay with it. But I don't know. Maybe given with what happened, I'm I'm not sure. And then the kids they go get ready, and Miranda invites Daniel in, but he says no. Uh, so you know. He, he uh, kind of thanks her for doing this, and then he goes out to the car. Now, she goes back into uh, the room where the TV was, and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is just starting to read a letter from a little girl whose parents had just separated. And I thought this was a little too in-your-face, you know, because she's basically answering this little girl's letter basically what you know the entire story of what's been going on with them right mm-hmm. as far as like the, the parents separating it's not about the kids it's about the the grown-ups you know it's not your fault and all that i thought that was a little heavy-handed maybe he picked it on purpose you know it could be but but also this happens to be coming in like just just to where it's placed in the movie too it's just like uh, the end isn't really quite working for me it's just i don't know it's i, I think i'm Whoa, just being they're making it number two no they're not yeah, they are no, no, they're not. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be with Robin Williams. It's not going to be with Robin Williams, but they're making number two. It, it, they've been wanting to do this for like uh, like eight years now, you know, at least. Yeah. And well, there's been movies that have been like announced, and then like years and years. Oh yeah, later it happens. Out. It happens. I, I I would like to think that it had been in not even pre-production, but just floating around for a long time. But with Robin Williams passing. I would like to think that to kind of honor his memory that they wouldn't try to do a part two. Oh, okay. I you know what I mean? That. Like, uh, I, I, I couldn't imagine being the actor that's like, oh, I loved part one. Let me do it. You know what I mean? I, I think people would be like, dude, are you serious? You, you, you're going to want to try to do, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, 
So I don't know. It, it, if they did, I, I would hope that it's not Mrs. Doubtfire, but maybe a different character. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like a like a like a I, I don't know. I guess a spinoff. So well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So so don't do the Hillards. You know, nothing like that. Just do a different story that kind of takes it. You know, something like that. But yeah, they they can, in my opinion, do another Mrs. Doubtfire. All the kids they hop into Daniel's car. Uh, we get one last shot of Miranda's face. And it ends them with driving off. And that's the end of the movie. Um, well, it ends up on Mrs. Doubtfire's... Or zooming on Mrs. Doubtfire's face. Oh, does it? Yeah. I thought, I thought it just fades uh, fades out with Daniel driving off in the car. Because ah, she's, she's sure. talking. She's talking and then it ends on her last word. Mm. After zooming on her face. I'm sure of it. Uh, okay, well, you can say that and I'll say otherwise. Alright, so what do you think happens after the movie? Uh, I think, uh, okay, this is what I think. Daniel will obviously um, continue being success- successful playing Mrs. Doubtfire on the show. He's going to continue being able to see the kids. Miranda's probably going to end up marrying Stuart, and, you know, it's um, happily ever after, really. That's kind of... Uh, let's see, probably what you said, and then Daniel meets uh, that blonde from the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. It, it, okay. Sure. Let's say that he meets meets her. I don't think it's gonna go well because he's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, we met," and she's probably gonna forget. Um, and then he'll be like, "Oh yeah, I saw you at the pool. I was dressed as a woman." That kind of thing. So it, it's probably not gonna fly well. Yeah. All right. So what's your? We didn't do the Jumanji rating. Do you want to throw your Jumanji rating out? I'll give it a four. Four Jum- because. Uh, when I, I I watched it a lot growing up, a lot more. Kind of like Finding Nemo, you yeah. know. I watched Finding Nemo a lot, and then I watched Jumanji a lot. But watching it uh, as I am older, I see all the special effects are bad. You know, sometimes the acting was a little bit dry. You know, not as fun as I thought it uh, thought it was when I was little. Yeah, I I um yeah Jumanji. I think I'd give it a. Jumanji, I'm going to give it a, gosh, I'm going to go with a low four. I'm going to go a four. I, I, I hate to give it anything lower because I, I do really enjoy the movie still. Uh, I think I think it still holds up, absolutely. Um, Robin Williams, it's, it's you know, one of my favorites. Uh, but Mrs. Doubtfire, I give it, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. I still really enjoy it. I really, really enjoy the writing. There's um, callbacks to things that they, you know, mentioned earlier. So there's some foreshadowing. Uh, I think it plays well. And I think this movie is probably the one that we probably had the most um, conversations about certain things, you know, uh, and not just like a straight review. So we're actually like stopping to talk about certain things. So I think... um, uh, this is one of the better movies that we've actually uh, reviewed or had a lot to say. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to go with a four and a quarter. Um, yeah, so that's it. But what do you want to do next? We're we're in October now. Do you want to try to let's maybe do a Halloween movie or maybe a, a scary movie? You know, I, I've, I threw around like Hocus Pocus or we talked about maybe Scream or something like let's that. Let's do a scary movie. You want to do a scary movie? Because we've done uh, family-friendly movies sure. these past few episodes. Do you want to think of one now or we'll just announce it later on? And uh, We'll just announce it later on. Okay. So with that, uh, you know, go like our Facebook page, Hydrate Level 4. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 
HLF podcast. We'll definitely put out, uh, you know, the episode we'll be reviewing next. So please follow us on those sites um, to to find out what we're doing. Um, and you know, we would love to hear your thoughts. And to do so, just email us at uh, hlfpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, I'll you know talk to Phoenix offline about what song we want to play at the end. But until the next episode, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And we're Hydrate Level 4.
Hello, I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. And we do the Quantum Leap Podcast. It can be found at quantumleappodcast.com and also on iTunes. We are starting at the beginning of Quantum Leap and going through all the episodes. This is my first time watching and Albie has seen them during their original run. In each podcast, we talk about the overall thoughts of each episode. We do an episode recap if you haven't seen them in a while, just to refresh your memory. And then we do a detailed plot discussion. And we also have some great interviews. Scott Bakula, I remember being very, very uh, generous of spirit and very, very kind to his fellow actors. It was my first kiss ever, ever, so I, I am getting to kiss Scott Bakula on screen. And everybody in, involved with it was just terrific. And I'm always amazed that people come up to me and remember that episode and can quote things from it that I can't even quote. So if you're a leaper... It'd be great if you came and joined us. And if you've never heard of Quantum Leap, it's maybe a good time to start watching it because you have a podcast to go along with it. So please give our podcast a listen and hopefully you like us and stick around. Go to QuantumLeapPodcast.com to listen to new episodes.